Let's take a moment and pray to our God. Uh, Father, thank you for the, um, the healing that you offer. Thank you for the freedom that you give in Jesus Christ. We know we need it. Need it. We know our world needs it. God, I thank you that you have saved us. For by grace we have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one may boast. And God, I thank you that you've created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which you prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You've saved us and you've freed us from the trouble and the corruption and the bondage in this world. And Lord, I know that you've called us to go back into the world as your representatives, as your ambassadors. We all have roles to do good works in response to your grace. Works that would shine like a a city on a hill, that would be uh, like the salt of the earth, so that others may see what we do and give glory to you in heaven. And God, it is hard. Because we still are suffering in this world in many ways. And we're still beat down in this world in many ways. And But you call us to endure. You call us to endure as your representatives. Fulfilling the mission that you've given to us. So God, today as we seek your face. As we turn our attention to hear your voice from your word. Would you help us to endure in our everyday gospel role as ambassadors for Jesus who have been saved by grace and who are strengthened by grace and who are um, examples and messengers of grace to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 1 to 13 is where we are putting our attention today. We want to learn what it looks like to live with steadfast endurance. Second Timothy, this is our theme that uh, Pastor Paul has kicked us off in, and we're continuing today in chapter 2. Uh, back in 2019, I had a personal trainer for a few months. Um, didn't know what to expect. I was approaching the third decade of my life and wanted just to be able to get ship shape, I guess. And the trainer told me that his approach to fitness was functional. He told me most people, when they get a physical trainer, personal trainers, want to thicken up or maybe thin down and just to look good. But he said his approach was really to help me feel good in the everyday function of my life. So he took time to get to know me. What's your job? What's your hobbies? Uh, What do you like to do? How does that affect your body? And then based on that, we developed a a training plan for everyday life. Now, as followers of Jesus, we have everyday gospel rules. Even though our lives are different, we each have common everyday gospel rules. You may be a student or a young professional, and in this season of your life, uh, you're just immersed in an online world all day long. Uh, You might be a stay-at-home mom, and uh, it feels like you rarely have any real adult conversations. 
You may be a family man trying to juggle raising young teens while caring for aging parents in an exceptionally challenging business time. Each of us all have an everyday gospel role. Whatever you find yourself doing every day, we all, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, we all represent Jesus to others. That is your everyday gospel role. That was Timothy's everyday gospel role. But Paul knew that if Timothy was going to be faithful to his everyday gospel role, then he needed to be able to learn to endure. Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is good news, good news of great joy that is for all people. But Paul knew that some people could either be feel threatened by that good news or could be triggered by that good news. And in response, they didn't want to receive it. They would rather want to suppress the message or shame the messenger. That happened for all of Paul's life. And he's near the end of his life in prison. And he wanted Timothy to be able to endure to the end. Even through the suppression. Even through the shame. So that he could endure in his everyday gospel role. So, having laid down the principles of not being ashamed. And sharing and suffering in chapter 1. Chapter 2, we really see the training plan. Paul's Every day training plan designed for endurance so that Timothy could endure in his everyday gospel role. And what worked for Timothy then is good enough for us today. It's good enough for you in your everyday gospel role so that you can endure and keep being a faithful representative of Jesus to others. So that's what 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 1 to 14 is all about. If we're going to get trained to endure, then we need to adopt these four aspects of this training plan. And the first one is really about how we have the energy to be able to endure, the fuel to endure, the strength to endure. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, it says this, You then, my child... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you want to get trained to endure so that you can be faithful in your everyday gospel role to represent Jesus to others, then you need to learn to get fueled by grace. If you're going to endure, you need to learn to get fueled by grace. See, it's hard. It is not easy when suppression might come or when you might feel shamed by others or when life is just bearing down us in a way that we can't control, our strength just isn't enough. If we try to rely on our strength, the motive might subtly change and we might start doing this Jesus thing for our own self-promotion rather than for God's goodness, rather than for God's glory. Or if we're relying on our own strength, then when the suppression comes or the shame bears down, it might just be easy enough to give up. If we really need the going, if we're really going to endure in our everyday gospel roles to represent Jesus to others, we need an extraordinary type of strength. And Paul tells 
the young man whom he loves like his own son, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace was everything to Paul. 1 Corinthians 15.10 is a verse that's really meaningful to me, and it really describes how Paul viewed himself. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. Moreover, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not me, but the grace of God that is in me. That's how Paul viewed his life. That's how Paul could make it to the end. That's how Paul could still endure in prison. Grace. And Paul wanted that for Timothy as well. And God wants that for you too. Grace. Grace is God's good favor to us. Grace brings us into a place where we uh, receive God's loving approval and his powerful assistance. Grace is earned by Jesus. It's received by faith alone. It's offered freely and it's given lavishly. It's more than enough. Grace is God's good favor to us. And we have God's grace. We have God's saving grace when we have faith in Jesus. So the good news of grace is that the only is that you can be brought into that loving approval of the Father and find his powerful assistance because of what Jesus has done for you. Grace is this sigh of relief that releases the pressure that feels like you need to make yourself add up to a standard to get God's approval. See, Jesus is the only one who lived a life that is approved by God. Yet, he willingly chose to die a death of shame as criminal. He did it in love. Because the death he died was the shame that we deserved for our wrongdoing. And when we believe that he died in our place, his good life is credited to our account so that when the father looks at us, he looks at us with the same eyes that he looks at his own beloved son, Jesus Christ. Grace is God's good favor to us. It brings us into a place where we receive God's loving approval, where we can find his powerful assistance. It's earned by Jesus, received by faith. It's offered freely. It's given lavishly. Have you received God's saving grace? Do you find yourself in that place of loving approval because you believe what Jesus has done for you? Do you have it? Are you strengthened by it? See, we are saved by grace through faith. We are also strengthened by grace through faith. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 describes that faith is the way we live a life that's in harmony with Jesus. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So faith is the way that we can regularly be strengthened by grace. 
the way that we get strengthened by grace, that we get fueled by grace so we can endure in our gospel role is by regularly renewing our faith. Well, how do we do that? God has assigned what seems to be ordinary things to strengthen us with ordinary grace. And simply, it's a devotion to prayer and the scriptures. So you may feel uh, worn down. You may feel uh, burnt out. You may feel hard to carry on. But God has given us what we need in these simple things. We are strengthened by grace when we meditate on scriptures in solitude, when we hear it preached at church, when we speak the truth in in love to one another through fellowship. We are strengthened by grace when we seek the throne of grace in our time of need. We are strengthened by grace. We can strengthen others in grace when we pray for them in their times of need. Uh, I found in my own life and observed in others as well that the times where we know this, right? This is not news to us. That if we're going to be strengthened supernaturally to be able to endure, we need to be connected and live in harmony with God and the means that he's given us are prayer and the scriptures. So I guess to those of you who are maybe kind of like glazing over and be like, try that, didn't work, what's next? I would ask you, um, are you doing it with your whole heart? Or are you doing it with a double mind? See, a double mind will... uh, do the practices of prayer and reading scripture, but we'll do it mere, merely out of duty to please someone, um, not out of delight to seek God as a person. And if you're doing like that, don't expect that you'll be strengthened by grace in the way that God wants you to. A double mind can also um, know that they're supposed to do it, but not actually do it. And it's like getting that prescription from the doctor that you know you need to take, but choosing not to take it. I found for many of us, we allow our minds and our hearts to be shaped by things other than prayer and scripture. We can't find the strength of grace because we allow our minds to be shaped by the unpredictable algorithms of social media instead of prayer and scripture or the agitating opinions of all-day news instead of prayer and scripture, or the recommended lists of streaming sites instead of the strengthening grace of prayer and scripture. So I would ask you if you feel like you aren't strengthened by prayer and scripture when you even do give yourselves to it, are you double-minded? Are you doing it with delight or out of duty? Are you in a place where you know you're supposed to be doing it, but you choose to neglect it in favor of other things? Are you running on fumes? For the Apostle Paul, grace was everything. Even it, we'll see at the end of Second Timothy, when he asks Timothy to come see him, he says, don't forget to bring the scrolls. Don't forget to bring these scriptures so that I can be meditating on these things. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, he said that grace overflows to us in Christ Jesus. And here's the good news. When grace overflows to you, it will inevitably overflow into others as well. 
Because endurance in our gospel role isn't just an individual sport, it's a team effort. This is the second aspect of our training plan. If you're going to get trained to endure in your everyday gospel role, then you need to get fueled by grace and you need to get committed to one another. Are you committed to the faith as a team sport or are you going on a stroll in the links like it's golf? Golf is what team sports play in the off-season. Yes, golf is a professional sport, I get it, but there's a reason Joe Thornton and Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and the rest of the Leafs play that in the summer and not in February. Because that's their hobby, and they can do it by themselves, but they can't, they got to rely on others when they get on the rink. And if you are going to be faithful to your everyday gospel role, as a student working online, as a mom at home with your kids, as a family man juggling all these responsibilities, we cannot afford to do it alone. And I think Paul was speaking out of personal experience and maybe even caution. Because we heard Pastor Paul teach us that he was really burdened by his loneliness when he was writing to Timothy. In verse 15 of chapter 1, it says, You are aware that all who are in Asia have turned away from me. Wow. (laughs) Paul was all alone, but he didn't want that for Timothy. He knew that if he was going to endure, he needed to get committed to a group of others that they could trust in so that they could endure endure together. Look at verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to, uh, to teach others also. See, some of us would prefer to go it alone. But by going at it alone, as a Christian, you miss the heart of Jesus and the mission of Jesus. See, you're adopted, Christian. God loves you. But you're not an only child. You're adopted into a spiritual family and you have spiritual siblings. You're chosen, Christian, and you are precious to God. But you are chosen and given an inheritance as a citizen in a new kingdom. And you have obligations as a citizen to your peers in this holy nation. Don't miss the heart of Jesus. God loves you. Don't miss the mission of Jesus. We have obligations together. If we're going to get trained to endure in our gospel role, we need to get committed to one another. What does that commitment look like? Paul told Timothy, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here's what commitment looks like. Commitment looks like telling someone that you plan to deliberately share your faith with them so they can do the same with others. That's what Paul Timothy told Timothy to do. Looking at someone in the eyes and telling them, 
I'm planning to deliberately share my life and share my faith with you so that you can go and do the same to others. So that mature Christians in the church can multiply and expand so that more strong Christians filled fueled by grace can stand together when suppression comes and when the shame bears down. Call it coaching if you want. Someone who studied the game plan and lays out a plan for the players to win. Call it apprenticing if you want. A master who's been in the trade for decades assigned to a student who can watch how it's done, know how it's done so that they can pass on the trade to others. Call it mentoring if you want. An older person passing on learned life skills through failures and through successes so that a naive younger person who has no idea what they're getting into can kind of have a glimpse of what it's like to get into adulthood. And in our church, this type of commitment, looking at someone in the eyes and telling them, I'm going to share my life, I'm going to deliberately share my life and share my faith with you so you can go and do the same to others. In our church, this happens through small groups. So I want to specifically talk to small group leaders right now. Small group leaders in youth, in young adults, in men's ministry, in women's ministry, in our mixed groups. Those who are serving with Matt, those who are serving in young adults, those who are with Josiah, those who are with Jocelyn, and those who are serving with Alex in mixed groups. I want to talk with you. See, week to week, I know that you're working hard. Week to week, I know that you're investing well. Week to week, I know that you are praying I know that you are leading. I know that you are taking the curriculum that's giving to you, and I know you are impressing it into others. But I would ask you, are you committed to the program only, or are you committed to the people and specifically an individual? Have you specifically told an individual that you plan on deliberately sharing your life and your faith with them so they can go and do that with others also. This is what true multiplying discipleship looks like. That you're willing to give special attention to an individual so that they can be mentored, be coached, be an apprenticing relationship so that it can expand. And guess what? I'm excited for what's happening in the, in the spring. I've shared with our small group leaders that we're introducing a new uh, leadership discipleship training material uh, starting in the spring. So I'm going to issue a challenge to all of our small group leaders. By Easter, identify the person. By Easter, tell the person. I'm going to deliberately share my life and share my faith with you so you can go and do the same to also. So let's say you've done that. Or let's say you're going to take that seriously and you're going to go do that. What then does it look like? What are you actually deliberately sharing when you share with others? I've learned a lot about this recently and the people that I focus on uh, most are uh, the people in our, our ministry staff. So this would be not news to someone like Sam who's in the room or Matt who's in the room, but when we learn about how we're going to grow so that we can be effective in our gospel calling, we talk about four things. How can we grow in our 
conviction, our character, our competency, and our capacity. See, Paul wanted Timothy to share, to entrust the things that he heard from Paul to others. Fundamentally, Paul wanted Timothy to share his gospel faith, to share his convictions about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And if you're going to share your conviction about your faith, the doctrine of what you believe, it inevitably informs the way that you live. What you believe informs the way that you live. Conviction and character. Competency is the skill to be able to lead in an empathetic way, in a shepherding way, in a teaching way, in a leading way, in a way that understands your spiritual gifts assigned by the Holy Spirit so that you can specifically lead others and help others to follow Jesus. Deliberately share your convictions. Deliberately share godly character, leadership competencies. And this is a good one that I'm learning, capacity. We need the rhythms and the habits to be able to rest and recharge so that we don't run ourselves dry. So maybe you're a small group leader now and I get to talk with you. And you're hearing this and you're like, man, I, I, I kind of want that. I'd kind of want someone to be able to help me grow. Well, take the opportunity to ask. Just ask. I've asked people before. I've asked someone, I need mentoring. I need coaching. I need apprenticing. Can you help me grow? Have the courage to be able to ask your small group leader, and maybe that can work. Maybe it won't. We want everyone to have an opportunity to be able to grow. But if we're going to be able to get trained to endure, we need to get fueled by grace, but then we also need to get committed to one another. So both of these first aspects of the training plan, these describe the what. Now, in this next part, we're going to look at the how of our training plan. So let's look at verse 3 to verse 8 together. Paul tells Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. If we're going to get trained to endure so that we can... Um, fulfill our everyday gospel role, we need to get focused on the strategy. Get fueled by grace, get committed to others, get focused on the strategy. See, for the online professional, there's a way that you can be a good representative for Jesus in your school. For the mom at home, there's a way that you can be a faithful representative for Jesus to your kids. For the family man who's juggling all these things. There's a way that you can effectively represent Jesus to those around you. The strategy that we need to focus on to endure in our gospel role for Paul is the same strategy that a good soldier needs to have, that an athlete needs to have, and that a farmer, a hard-working farmer needs to have. And now each of these examples, I think, really convey one thought. Disciplined resolve. Do you have that? Disciplined resolve. Resolve. There's a task I must see through. There's a task I must 
see through, disciplined, nothing will distract me from it. Nothing will distract me from it. There's a task I must see through and nothing will distract me from it. Discipline resolve. What would discipline resolve look like in your everyday gospel role to represent Jesus to others? And, you know, Paul tells Timothy, think over what I say and the Lord will give you understanding for everything. So you have some homework this week. I want you to specifically think about these examples, the soldier, the farmer, the athlete, and wonder what it would look like to incorporate this in your life. This is going to be one of the points that we discuss in our mixed groups this week. And in our time together briefly, I want to focus on the soldier, because there's an example that I saw that was really compelling to me. I watched this movie over the summer that maybe you've seen before. Uh, It's called 1917 unbelievable movie uh, in world war young a, uh, world war one a young man was given orders by his commanding officer to deliver a message to a general many miles away communications were broken uh, so the only way they could get the message there was if he traveled by foot and if he didn't get the message in there in time thousands of his fellow soldiers would die lives were at stake if he didn't get the message there in time and there was this moment that my wife watching it, it just like, it was hard for her to keep watching past this because it was so emotional. This young man, the soldier delivering the message, enters a village in France and the village is literally on fire. And to uh, get safety, he goes into a house briefly and he meets a young French woman. And at first the trepidatious, she doesn't know if he's, what side he's on, but then the French woman realizes he's British and he's with the allies and, and the French woman is there with a the baby but the child isn't hers and she doesn't know where the mother is and she cannot stop the child from crying and the soldier very gently holds the baby's hand and recites a calm poem it's a very peaceful moment while the entire village is on fire but then after the poem is done you can just see in his eyes like I'm wasting time I have somewhere to be He picks up his bag, he begins to leave, but you can hear in her voice, she doesn't want him to go. It's not her child, but she doesn't know how to care for the baby. And part of you wants him to stay. Maybe they can make a life together. Maybe they can get married. And wouldn't it be noble to stay? They don't know where this baby's mother is. She doesn't know how to care for it. He's someone who is helping. Wouldn't it be loving to stay? Yes. Yes, it would be noble. Yes, it would be loving. But he's got a message to deliver. And if it doesn't get there in time, thousands will die. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted them. This was the challenge that I had this past, week, this past week from the message. Even good things that distract Christians from the one thing we're called to do to represent Jesus to others are wrong things. Discipline, resolve. This is the strategy. Are you focused on it or have you become distracted? And if so, what needs to go? 
But maybe you're not focused. And there are times and seasons where I'm not, where I'm very distracted. We need to be focused on the strategy, but when we are unfocused, we can get refocused when we get motivated by the goal. And this is the last aspect of our everyday training plan for endurance. If we are going to get trained to endure in our everyday gospel role, then we need to get motivated by the goal. Let's read the rest of the passage, verse 8 to verse 13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with change as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. If you are unfocused, you can get refocused when you get motivated by the goal. What's the goal? Think about some goals in your own life. You don't merely go into student debt so you can just buy a piece of paper and hang a diploma on your wall. You get an education with the goal of starting a career. You don't apply for a mortgage and buy a house for the goal of being able to find a place to store your stuff. You buy a house to make a home to share with your loved ones. In your everyday gospel role as a representative of Jesus to others, you will be suppressed. You will be shamed. Paul describes why he was doing it. He was suffering for the gospel. And he did it for the sake of the elect. He did it for the sake of those who have received Jesus Christ by faith and who would receive Jesus Christ by faith. See, Paul knew that when he suffered for Christ, he suffered with Christ. And Christian, when you are suffering for Christ, you are suffering with Christ. And he wanted to give up. There were several times where he did. Like in Philippians chapter 2. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, Verse 21, chapter 1, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is Cain. If I am to choose, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor to me, yet which I shall choose, I shall not tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Paul was actually wondering, like, man, wouldn't it be just better just to not? be here and just to be with Jesus. He actually had times where he wanted to give up, but he would endure, as he said, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. He endured for Christ and with Christ so that others could receive salvation and eternal life that he himself received. He did it so that others could know the good news of great joy, even if it cost him suffering something even if he meant suppression, even if it meant shame. This is the motivation. When we suffer for Christ, we suffer with Christ. You're not alone. 
but we do it because God wants to make a difference through you. Student, just bored of Zoom, God wants to make a difference through you. To the mom who just wants to have an adult conversation, God wants to make a difference through you. To the family man who's juggling so much and just wants an evening to watch a game, God wants to make a difference through you. We are saved by grace, not by works, but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God wants to use you in your everyday gospel role to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, to be a representative of Jesus to others, so that the good news of great joy that you have received, others would know as well. And it's hard to keep going. But we do it so that others would have what God has given us. And even when we don't feel like doing it, Paul gives us a motivation so that we can keep going. Three words that I would leave you with that can encourage you to keep going and to keep enduring in your everyday gospel world. And they're from this poem that Paul finishes with. Verse 11, the saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we also will live with him. If you endure with him, we will also reign with him. Uh, The word here is hope. The hope of new life. The hope of a new kingdom, we will reign with Jesus. Keep enduring. Hope and warning. If we deny him, he will also deny us. But encouragement. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. He can't deny himself because we are his. We are his and he will not let us go. So be encouraged that God is with you, even like Paul, who felt like giving up. But he knew that even when he was faithless, God is faithful. This is our everyday endurance plan, a training plan designed for endurance. Get fueled by grace. Get committed to one another. Get focused on the strategy. Get motivated by the goal. When we put this into practice day by day, we will learn to endure so that we can be faithful in our everyday gospel call. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are faithless. You are faithful even when we are faithless and we can be faithless very often. Lord God, help us to endure. It is hard. Life is wearisome. Circumstances are uh, overwhelming. But you are faithful. Thank you for this hope. Thank you for this warning. Thank you for this encouragement. Help us, Lord God to be committed to this plan so that we can get trained to endure. Thank you that we are saved by grace. Thank you that we are strengthened by grace. And thank you that we've created us for good works so that we can shine your light to others. Help our church 
to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.